I do not know what I am, but I do know what I am not. Before I dive into what that means to me, I'm going to tell you a story. The other night, um, I was trying to fall asleep, but I couldn't because I heard my roommate talking to her boyfriend. We share a wall, and that wall is actually a French, a set of French doors, and I covered it with a, um, a huge tarp, like a blank canvas material, so it's very thin and it doesn't do much, and I was lying in my bed, and I go to sleep earlier than my roommates, and I also hate the sound of other people existing when I'm trying to relax, and I was just in my bed like, oh, I'm so annoyed. And I wasn't going to ask her to keep her voice down because she was already talking quietly. She was just, it just happens that she's right there. And I was like, okay, how can I make this better? So I assessed the situation, the reality of it, not my perspective. And she is not annoying. I am annoyed. Okay, I got that down. And... I'm just sitting with that. I'm witnessing myself be annoyed. I'm witnessing my body and my reactive mind be in this temporary state of annoyance. And the more I start to, I guess, identify with the one that is witnessing the body being annoyed, I I become less and less annoyed. That annoyance is still there. That reaction to the sound is still there, but I'm not identifying with it. And I'm stepping back further and further and further until suddenly I'm just quiet. Like all I hear is silence and I fall asleep. Isn't that cool? I think that was like something I needed to practice for. Um, yeah, I've been practicing meditation much more frequently and during activities, like when I'm going for my daily walk, instead of playing music or a podcast, I will kind of be in that state of intense um, openness and alertness. And um, it's kind of like, yeah, it's like meditating in your room except you're out for a walk and there's many more things to witness and many more uh much bigger potential for distractions but I think that creates like a stronger uh ability to get into that state of just alertness and my meditate my relationship with meditation has been um has changed a lot uh it used to be like a me sitting, forcing all of the thoughts out, but now it's more of a, um, like stepping back, like, and I, like I said before, just witnessing my mind have reactions to thoughts. And before you know it, I'm telling myself a whole story and I'm like following this whole rabbit hole. And then I'm like, wait a minute, wait, I'm, I'm here right now. Let me come back to right here right now. And I'm not like, oh, fuck, I, I messed up. I, I suck at this. I'm going to go do something else. It's like, no, it's actually quite cute. <laughs> it's just you're uh, a human having a human experience, especially, you know, coming out of a phase of 
constant nitpicking and trying to smooth out all the little kinks in my brain to be perfect. It's very, it's, I'm, I now have a more tender relationship with um, my, my reactive mind and, you know, the front facing persona that I project out into the world. And um, I think that's kind of what this is all about, at least for me on my journey. And I'm still very new to um, all of this. Anyway, so back to what I said at the beginning. I do not know what I am, but I do know what I am not. And I made a little list of things I know I am not. And these are things that I have identified with for so long. And I'm coming out of that phase, like I said, and I think it's really helpful for me to define what I am not rather than define what I am. Because if I'm trying to narrow down my entire being to, you know, something I can grasp and um, commodify, essentially, it's it's just not allowing any room for growth and it's not allowing any room for um, potential alleviation of suffering that is guaranteed in this life. Okay, so the first one was reactions, and um, this is kind of like that story I just told about being annoyed, and I'm doing this in other other scenarios too, like if I'm going for a walk and a man is coming like my way, I notice myself get really scared and hyped up, and then I'm like, okay, let's let's just take a step back and just witness this. I'm like witnessing my reactive mind um, and her low-key fear of strangers, men particularly. Um, and I'm witnessing her have this fear, and I can kind of step back further and further and further until I not only do not have the fear, but I also have a sense of trust in uh, the stranger and in like my surroundings. And of course, a situation like that requires some discretion because I can't just detach from my body and um, allow, you know, danger to happen. I do have to protect myself. But uh, let's think of another example. That one's kind of tricky. Um, if I, okay, well, okay, I do get annoyed a lot over very small things. I'm very chill and usually I come off quite passive, but I get so annoyed and pissed off so frequently and I never would have known that about myself had I not started practicing witnessing my mind and like stepping out of that uh, that driver's seat and just watching the car drive away. I don't know. Too many metaphors. Too many. Let's move on to the next one. I am not to my thoughts and feelings. Thoughts and feelings are easily becoming, I mean, I guess they've always been like this. They become the thing that you identify with, especially when you get into heavy feelings like depression. Depression is more of a mental illness, but I think now it's just a feeling people can slip into for a while. Um, yeah, thoughts and feelings, I don't think that they define our being. I think that they are things that point to something 
that may be true. So, um, for example, I have, or I'm coming out of this phase of um, carrying a lot of insecurity just to, I don't know, just to have something to identify myself with. I mean, a smaller example is like, I've noticed this particularly with my boyfriend. I just pretend to be insecure about things I honestly couldn't care less about. A lot about um, if I seem smart, if I, because I know I can kind of sound ditzy when I talk. But also about my body, and I'll just kind of throw something out there to make myself seem insecure so that he can play the role of loving, affectionate boyfriend, and I can play the role of insecure girlfriend that needs validation from a man, and, um, you know, he's a no-bullshit kind of guy, so he'll, of course, he's always down to validate me or whatever, but he's, he's not shy from, like, saying, okay, that's, like, why are you performing? Like, do you mean that, actually? And I'm like, okay, no. (laughs) And it's freeing, it's humility. Uh, it's human, what is it? You know the word. I keep wanting to say humidifier. (laughs) Humiliating, it like keeps you humble and like grounded, but yeah, I don't need to pretend to be insecure so that I can have a sense of identity. I feel like insecurity is like a really common thing for girls to have as like an identifier it's just to have some sort of like ground to walk on and it's unnecessary and another bigger example is I've been having a lot of conversations about my career plans for um after college I was in this class and I just finished um because a quarter ended It was like a senior development class and it's like preparing us for um, the months after college, applying for jobs, uh, getting our work out there and stuff. And um, yeah, I found myself at the beginning very stressed out. And then in conversations outside of school, people asking me what my plans are, I would just like pretend to be insecure because I go to an art school and that's expected so I am playing the role of insecure potentially starving artist when really there are so many jobs that need writers like actually I'm not even trying to make myself feel comfortable it's so true there's so many college graduates and so many adults out there that don't know how to properly express themselves in emails or even like in articles or in whatever other kind of writing format you need in the corporate world or in the arts world, people don't know how to express themselves properly. And I'm so grateful that I kind of navigated my way through the dramatic writing course at my school only to come out and find out I'm not interested in film and TV at all. Um, That's another story though, but I'm so secure. I know I'm going to find a job. I have a whole list of, you know, things that I either have applied to or am going to apply to. It just takes a lot of creativity to come up with these damn cover letters, but I'm doing it. And, um, yeah, I just don't have to pretend to be like I'm insecure, even about the work I have out there now, like pretend to be insecure. 
Oh my gosh. When someone wants to read my work, I die inside. I'm like, I can't handle it. Oh no, they're going to see me. It's like that feeling like, oh no, they're going to see me. It's like, girl, why did you publish it then? Why did you write it down? It's an expression and you don't have to act like you're insecure so that someone can scoop in and swoop in and say, no, you are good. Or no, I do understand this. Or no, this resonates. It's like, I, the feeling I'm chasing, that validation, I can already give it to myself. I love what I write. I love what I have to say. Everything I've said on this podcast has been documentation of, you know, my progress. And I don't have to be ashamed that someone I know is listening to it because it is an extension of me. It is kind of pointing at the direction I want to go in. And, um... So anyway, back to thoughts and feelings. This could even be feelings of, like, um, jealousy. Your jealousy is always pointing at something that you feel that you're lacking. It's never, like, a a you thing. I mean, essentially, they all are, but you don't have to identify with it. Trying to think of other ones that I have felt. And it's easy to say that these negative feelings aren't part of your identity but bliss joy like I'm looking at you I mean those are different those are states of being once you have um kind of cut the baggage off that you've been lugging behind you of pretending to be insecure or even carrying insecurities um it's not part of you it doesn't have to be at least You're kind of, I guess I just invite you to think of ways that you um, choose to stay in a state of jealousy or choose to stay in um, carrying unnecessary hatred for yourself or wallowing in your pain. Another thing with that is like, like victimhood and... Before I dive into that, there are people in this world that don't even get to sit back and just self-reflect and think about all the ways they can cut out the unnecessary baggage, like emotional, mental, spiritual baggage. There are people in this world that are just focused on surviving. And there are people in this world that have spent a long time focusing on surviving and are coming out of that phase. And there are so many issues. I've never had to worry about surviving or my safety. And that's not to say my problems and my revelations aren't valid because I think a lot of what I say can be quite universal. But I just... There's such a... There's so many dimensions to all the things that I'm saying and I've been thinking about this one a lot because I'm so interested in like matters of the self and that is just a luxury to dive into and spend all day thinking about. It is. Um... Okay, so back to victimhood. Um, I think another interesting thing, if this applies to you and your situation, how are you 
identifying with victimhood so that you don't have to go through the uncomfortable changes of growth and perseverance and moving on from it. Because I know that I have been, I have unnecessarily put that victim label on myself and identified with it so much and it just made things worse and it made me stagnant. I wasn't changing. I wasn't growing. I was just, it's like I was collapsing in on myself. And I invite you to think about ways that you kind of apply the victimhood narrative to yourself when it's not your story anymore. It doesn't have to be. These are just, they're stories, you know? Anyway, I'll talk more about that in a second, but... um. Yeah, with the thoughts and feelings, not only do I want to detach from them, but I also want to open my hands and hold them like they're a cute little kitten. Yeah, just be very gentle with them because they're pointing at something else and they're not your enemy, no matter how much being annoyed or anger or sadness and jealousy or whatever all these feelings no matter how much they suck and hurt they are asking to be felt and I think honoring them and honoring yourself enough to um, let them pass can really set you free from unnecessary suffering Another thing that I am not is my addictions. Um, I've had an addiction to food for a long time. Um, The word addiction has so much weight to it. And then I'm coming out with it. Oh, I'm addicted to food. And it's like such a real thing too. Such an obsession over food, which is funny because I live in this place that has such an abundance of food really interesting to think about but um yes also an addiction to the phone to apps and stuff and validation like I said earlier with the insecure story I am not my addiction to any of these things um something that has been helping me with the food addiction thing is to actually hold on I've made a little diagram of it So I want to talk about that for a second, just because it has to do with the whole, I do know what I am not. Okay, I wrote this in my journal. So you start off in this emptiness, this state of needing to feel, I wrote love, but you could, it could be something else. And so the cycle then goes to, you cave into temporary satisfaction, you cave into like false love. So the false version of that fulfillment that you were lacking in the beginning. And then after you cave, you realize what you've done, you've ruined all your progress or whatever, you wallow in self-pity, you bully yourself into correctness, and you just really sit in that failure and victim to your own um, addictions kind of phase. And then it circles back over and over. And then I was like, okay. If I don't have the willpower to 
quit my addictions. I'm just going to say addiction to, to food. If I don't have the willpower to not go in the kitchen and snack whenever I'm feeling any kind of like emptiness and I want to feel like a satisfaction, obviously there is a lack there that needs to be fulfilled and satisfied by something. So I'm going to go to food because that is the that is the thing that will give me the satisfaction. And so when I do that, I am not going to allow myself to bully myself into correctness. I'm going to sit with what I did and I'm going to continue this phase, I mean this cycle, with awareness. Awareness of the feeling that I'm chasing and the, fe- the feeling that I will get instead. And I'm going to love myself throughout this entire process and this has been helping me stop like binge eating is like a really like heavy word I don't mean that just like the bored eating or just like the stress eating or eating when I feel lonely um I think it's like a lot more common than we think but um I don't have to force myself to not eat food if that's what I want but I've been noticing that as I step back and I I watch myself have this emptiness and going to the kitchen to try to satisfy it, I kind of get turned off because I'm also witnessing the um, emptiness and the the false love that I said, like the temporary satisfaction. And I'm also witnessing the way I'm going to feel about myself after. I get turned off by it. I drink a glass of water instead and I move on. And I feel so much better because it's like, wow, willpower doesn't have to be some like, some strenuous thing. It can be, it can really set you free in a different way, in a stepping back and witnessing your your cycles kind of way. And that's helping me not identify with um, addictions. And I think it's very helpful to step back and label the things that you that don't identify you that don't make you who you are because it sets you free from these cycles and there's so many more that we get into because of course we are we are beings in this material world um The next thing is I am not the sum of every bad experience I've had. I am not the product of all of these potentially traumatic experiences that I've had. This is a really interesting one because that was my identity. I was the girl who had gone through A, B, and C, like all these different things. I think the most prominent one was when I um, I was signed with a modeling agency from like age nine to technically still now, but I'm not really active with them because I don't live in Texas anymore. And I kind of stopped all of that a long time ago. Um, and it was really, it was really difficult because I was such a cute kid and, you know, as I started going through puberty, I gained a lot of weight. I had acne and I was just in this awkward phase. And it's like the whole thing in real life, like in teenage girl world was don't look at the girls in the magazines. They aren't real. And then here I was 
starving myself and then binge eating and then starving myself and all of that to um to look like the girls in the magazines because I wanted because I was getting paid for that I was getting paid to to do this kind of thing I had a contract I had all these things and I had also I had these parents behind me that were investing in like a personal trainer a nutritionist well by the time we got a nutritionist it's because I was like unhealthy um and different activities and um like instructors stuff like that to really pushed me forward because that's what they thought I wanted and that's what I thought I wanted too but also I was a kid and they they regret it now especially my mom she always tells because she was the one that was taking me to a lot of these um like these go-sees and auditions and these jobs and I mean she'd be the main one there to see me crying because they told me they couldn't because told me to lose weight basically and my dad was trying to be supportive too, but you know, when you're like a teenage girl, everything your parents say is just like, ah, shut up. And they would, they would always say like, are you sure you want to eat that? Um, things like that. And I have so much forgiveness for them now because it must be so hard telling that to your child, but it's because you want to be a cheerleader for them. You want, you want to, like, they wanted to see me grow and prosper and I'm so grateful for all of that now because now I have such a huge capacity for compassion. It takes so much compassion to walk away from someone telling you you need to lose weight while you're a teenage girl, by the way, and to still choose to love yourself after. And now with all of these experiences, I've grown thick skin. I'm still quite sensitive. But when it comes to my appearance, I think I'm uh, I'm a little bit more detached because also another thing about the modeling and acting industry is like you are a product and it's not personal. If they're telling you to lose weight, it's so that you can get booked. It's not personal. It is, but it's not. Um, and I recognize that now. And I mean, listen, the commodification of women specifically will not go away and it can only get more broad and like open and accepting for women but at the end of the day like the whole just making these people like walking advertisements it's just it's a whole thing on its own it's not good or bad it just like simply is and I mean it's so hard to try to like correct things in it I'm not even going to talk about all that. That's like a whole other thing. But um, yes, yeah, so the sum of every bad experience. Anyway, that was a tangent right there. So I'm not, I'm not that anymore. I'm not that at all. It's just a story. And I think, I think with therapy, Therapy for someone that is so strongly self-aware can only go so far because, and listen, I'm just talking about like my very, very limited um, grasp of what happens in therapy, but I feel like a lot of it is telling stories to someone that simplifies them and gives them a label and then gives it back to you so that you can do the work on your own and you can decide this is a story about insecurity 
and it belongs in the past. It has no effect on today. And that's still difficult for me to grasp because I am still coming out of this phase of I am the sum of every bad experience I've been through. But as I, as I realize that everything in the past is the past and the only thing I have right now is now, is me sitting on the floor in my room talking to myself, that is all I have and that is all that is real. Everything in the past, like, I really can't change it. All I can do is just step outside of my point of view and see the bigger picture and keep it moving. Anyway, so I'm not, like, saying therapy is bad or unnecessary. I'm just saying, like, whenever you are a very self-aware person, which most of us are, I just feel like maybe there isn't... Okay, wait. I don't want to say this. Therapy is great. I'm talking about this whole like therapy speak where everyone has trauma and everyone is a victim of their past I think that's true for you know particular people but like listen I've had people tell me that I experienced trauma I did not, I have not experienced trauma. I've been through shitty situations where I came out of it and I was like, oh, that sucked. And I see like the bigger picture and I see that there's no bad guy here. It's just simply the way things are. And I move on. And these things like don't have as much of a hold over my personality as, or hold over like my being, my personality, my identity, my mind, my thoughts. Like it doesn't have a hold over it. If I don't let it because I'm self-aware, that's kind of the point that I'm making. Not that we shouldn't go to therapy, but just like this notion that you're like a broken person because of your past. It's like, are you? It kind of feels like that's a decision you're making. I'm saying you, but I'm talking about me. This is about, this is about me, okay? I don't know other people's situations. All I know is that it is possible to make the choice to um, let go of that. And that's what I've been doing. I've been doing a lot of letting go. I'm, I'm doing a lot of like emptying all these things of who I thought I was. And I'm coming to a realization that I don't know who I am. And I really, really enjoy this kind of emptiness that I'm creating. Um, another thing that I am not is my desires, hopes, and dreams. And the first thing that comes to mind when I say that is my career path. And that's how I know I still have work to do because whenever someone's talking to me about the future, all I'm thinking about is a career is that is the only thing that can keep me stable Okay, stability is available in so many different scenarios. So what are you really searching for? Is it like money? Is it like that kind of like success? And I think it is. It's a really touchy topic for me that maybe I could talk about in a different episode, just everything revolving around money. But (sighs) letting go of that, first of all, making the decision to... um, authentically pursue writing instead of pursue the thing that I was I originally came to college for which was for like film and television 
just deciding that that's not me anymore was really big for me because I, I just knew that if I kept going with it, I was going to find out later that it's not for me and I can't pursue it and I was going to feel even more empty. But now I know I still love writing. I just like, I can't do that. All of that. I just need something a little bit more organic, something a little bit more directly expressive that doesn't go through filters of different creatives that ultimately comes out in something else. I just like that one like writer to reader connection and I just need it to be organic in that way for me and anyway so uh deciding that I don't identify with that career path it's like okay I still have some work to do I still need to step back and really view all of that objectively but I know that it's not me I know I was talking about like applying for jobs and stuff before and I think another thing that makes me feel or that was making me feel insecure whenever I talk about um, post-college plans was that um, I have a I have a strong detachment from that whole world that whole like the game of life of going into a job and all of this. I have such such a strong detachment from it because I see ways that all of it could be better and work for humanity and work for the earth. And it's hard to have conversations with people about my post-college plans when I don't even necessarily like want any of that. I don't I don't have a dream job. And I kind of feel like a disappointment when I say that. I don't have a, I don't dream of that. All I want is um, some grass and a little stream. And I want to live somewhere where the sun shines. And I want to write little books. And I want to celebrate life with a, with a community. I don't have, I don't, I don't know. And I mean, who, who does have a dream job? Like really, like who really does? And I'm talking about like corporate world, like who dreams of like going to some company to this, that, and the other. It's like, I'm no different than anyone else. And I'm not making a big, big, unique uh, statement when I say that. It's just like, I just don't really care to have conversations about it because it just feels like we're just pretending that we are into it. And, um, (laughs) yeah. (sighs) I'm getting a little defensive. (laughs) It's funny. Um, yeah, detach from your aspirations. Just, like, kind of know, like, I know the direction I want to go in, but I have a very strong detachment from it, and I'm not really basing my worth and my identity on that success in that direction and that's where I'm at with that uh the next one is I'm not my relations to people this one's obvious I am not a daughter I'm not a sister I'm not a friend I'm not a girlfriend I 
I think those are all like social labels that describe the body I'm in and the role that this body plays on earth and you know the different responsibilities it has and um, the different ways of connection but those are all just like illusions when you think about because I love all these people that I am related to in some way I have such a strong love for them and I think it's beautiful to remember that we are all of the same source we are all like physical manifestations of the same source coming together and using this human experience to to experience a fraction of that love like the love between a mother and her child it's like it is one dimension of this strong love that exists between all beings and i think that in the human experience as long as we're identifying as the roles we play on earth we aren't getting the full you know the full juice of it um what was it i made like a i hate saying this um forgive me i made a meme (laughs) um about this and what is it it says okay so like relationship love like typical relationship love that you see represented in media is like I love you because you make me feel safe and happy and you make me feel attractive and you are attractive and we're animals and we're attracted to each other. And then like, I think a little bit more evolved, like a more committed relationship, a more meaningful one is like, I love you because you help me grow. I accept your selfish ways. I accept all of you because our love is greater than like our desire to be perfect. And our love is greater than any human idea of, perfection and then the last one is like I love you because that's what we are and I love you beyond my human reactions to you this is going back to that first story about reactions that we have about like seeing the situation beyond your reactions knowing that my roommate is not annoying I am annoyed and kind of setting myself free from that sensation of annoyance um And I think viewing all beings wherever they are on their path, however they show up, as part of yourself, that's really setting you free from a lot of unnecessary suffering as well. And a lot of loneliness, too. And um, another thing about that is, like, seeing, like, having... Seeing other people this way also makes it really hard for me to have performative conversations about, like, gossip, about career plans, about whatever. It makes me really detached because I'm like, wait, guys, why are we just, like, pretending that there's not this whole other thing going on right now, that we are um, the universe experiencing itself? I guess. I love that phrase. It's so pretty. I always think about that. Okay. So that's my little list, and I'm sure it's going to keep growing, of things that I am not. And how do I know that? Like, how do I know this is true? 
Um, so I'm going to describe a sensation. Okay, I saw a TikTok a little bit ago. This girl was saying that, um, I think she was having a revelation. She was saying, if you find yourself obsessing over somebody, it's because you don't feel safe around them. And I thought about it. It was like, oh my gosh, that's so true. That, that's so, that works for me. That lands. And I think whenever you get, I don't know if you got that sensation, but I did. Um, that, that is a sensation that I'm looking for whenever I'm meditating and I have all of these, all of these things came to me in like a meditative state. And whenever you open yourself to, um, things that are beyond like this reality that we see, like the game of life and the roles we play, we start to unveil pieces of ourselves like I know something is true when it doesn't feel like I'm learning a math equation but rather it feels like someone is unveiling a little piece of who I thought I was and there I am right underneath that and it goes deeper and deeper and deeper (sighs) so all the things I listed those are those are all things that just keep me anchored those are all things that are just that just keep me here. And I'm, you know, I, I do say I'm not all of these things, but I also have such a tenderness for all of them, for all the people I have relations to, for my desires, hopes, and dreams, for all my bad experiences and my addictions and my thoughts and feelings, reactions, all of them. I, I, it's not that I like reject them and I let go of them. It's that I observe them for what they are And I have a deeper appreciation for them as the observer. Because that just really enhances this human experience. And it maximizes the sensation of being alive. Well, that's pretty much all I have to say. I think I need to go pack for a trip now. And, um, yeah, thank you so much for listening to this. It means a lot to me. All right. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye.